guys and welcome back it's your girl april squires and this is another episode of sunday sessions emphasis on the sesh it's your favorite series called stone chats with friends and this week we have a little special guest he had reached out to me he wanted to kind of share a story to you guys and kind of just talk about you know his journey spiritually going to india and so our special guest today is kevin sparks kevin say hey Hi there. How's everybody doing? I would just like to say, everyone, that Kevin is, if you could see him right now, he is the definition of comfort. He is chilling. You look cozy, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I got the blanket on. I don't really go around my house without a blanket on. Uh, it's just it's too cold. It is too cold. It's fucking getting yeah. frosty out there. I went out this morning, yesterday morning, frost on the windshield. I was like, please, dear God, winter is coming. It's uh, getting chilly out there. It's like four degrees there last night. So I was like, yep, it's getting winter again. I guess our mutual friend, uh, Nick Hiscock, just mentioned that he likes talking about stuff when you're high. Why don't you reach out to April and just see if she'd like to have you on the podcast? And I was like, sure. That sounds like a great idea. I haven't really got a chance to talk about it with a whole lot of people besides like some close friends and family. So yeah. So yeah, Kevin, tell everyone who you are, kind of where you come from. So I'm from St. John's. I've kind of raised around around all Canada, though. And most people, I guess, would that are in our friend group would know me from the Bay <laughs> in Ascension. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was I grew up in Newfoundland. I went to like preschool and PEI and went to kindergarten in Edmonton and then stayed in Edmonton until I was in about grade four. And then grade four, I moved to St. John's from four to seven. I was in different schools there as in St. Matthew's and Beaconsfield. And then after that, went to Amalgamated and then Ascension. So yeah. why all the bopping around? Mom's moving for work, right? I lived, uh, you know, mom's single parent. I lived with uh, her my whole life and she's a veterinarian. So she was just moving around for better opportunities, better work, which, you know, kind of sucked when you're trying to make friends. But yeah, I mean, you know. People are trying to make money. I get it. So yeah, tell everyone about this spiritual healing, kind of why India, kind of why you wanted to kind of move towards happiness since like a really young age, just like things just changing after high school for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think they changed a lot after high school. I think I more, I'm more found myself, yeah, myself again is a better way to put it. I don't know. I had always been a kid who kind of looked up to esoteric ways of living I understood meditation as like this esoteric knowledge that I gravitated towards from a fairly young age. It's like, okay, these people understand something that I don't understand and they feel great. And I was like, I want to be like that because that's cool. I kind of lost that along the way. Things happened, you know, as you're young, you know, things happen and you're just like living your life and not really worried about these kind of things. But yeah, after I got out of high school, I was like, I don't really know what to do with my life. So I went to Mun. And I was like, I hate it here. This this sucks. Like, I I don't know. I was really depressed at the time, I think. But, you know, I, I just didn't really enjoy that whole experience. Took a year off to work. I saved up some money. While I was saving up some money, I also got into uh, cannabis. Yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, I kind of just got right into it. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I would get so high off so little weed. And I would get like visuals. I would get like full on tripping spiritual experiences on marijuana. And I was like, this is awesome. But yeah, that's really what started my journey. I guess that's what ignited that fire, I guess, to really learn more about it and really into a lot of spiritual talks online and stuff like that, like 
Alan Watts, uh, Sadhguru. Geez, I can't name them all off the top of my head. There's a lot of them. Uh, Eckhart Tolle. Some swan, Mrs. She, she goes by something swan. I can't remember her full name. Teal Swan. Teal Swan is her name. And also a Buddhist monk teacher that talks about a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, I got really kind of hyper-focused on one guy, Sadhguru, uh, just because I was like, okay, this guy's in India. He's doing yoga. He's teaching people yoga. He's te- teaching people meditation. He's teaching people, you know, achieve this state, I'll say. I was watching his videos for six months trying to get a feel of like, is this guy for real? Is it bullshit? What's the deal here? What is the yeah. tea? So what, what is the tea? Like, yeah, I kind of weighed my options at the time. And I was like, well, you know, I can do this or I can continue working overnights at a gas station. And I was like, one which sounds one a lot better one. than the other. Guess which one it was. <laughs> yeah. So I booked the trip kind of without telling anybody. I just booked it. And then like a few months down the line, before a month before I was supposed to leave, I was like, oh, by the way, mom, I'm going to India in a month. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I was like, yep. And you're not going to stop me from doing that. Sorry. I was like, sorry, mom, I got plans. I got to go. <laughs> so anyway, there, my whole family was like stressed out while I was there. And I was like, sorry, you don't have to be worried. I'm fine. Kind of get ready. You're months up. You're saving up your last bit of money. You kind of say, fuck it. You get on the plane. You head to India. So you get to India and then you kind of get to. So, what was the building that you went to? So, when you first get to India, you're you're just like, okay, you know, it's a little bit busier than than I expected. And then you get out of the airport and then it's really busy. It is really busy. I, uh, I took a taxi from there to the ashram which is like the temple basically i remember just like him driving the car it's like he was driving through an obstacle course like it was crazy it was crazy like the amount of traffic and people and and shit happening one guy got rear-ended right in front of us it was like a motorcycle and then he just like was looking at something and then he just rear-ended the car that was in front of him and i was like holy fuck this place is crazy when you first get there, they kind of drive you through the back of the temple. You don't really go in through the front, which I thought was kind of weird. But I think that's just for like the people who are foreigners taking taxis and stuff like that. So I get there and you kind of arrive at this kind of, it's like a big street, but it's only for walking and it's all like stone. It's not really concrete. Um, It's just like large slabs of stones. And then you're just walking on it and the stones are really hot because it's like 30 degrees outside. So if you're going there with bare feet, I would not recommend it. Unless you like, that's your, unless like you like burning your feet and then it's just like, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway, you go in there, you kind of talk to the, it's just like a big rectangle building that you go in. It's all open. Nothing's really closed off. Uh, it's all open air. You, there's no really doors. You kind of just like walk in and be like, Hey, I'm here to stay in the ashram. And they're like, okay, did you fill out all the stuff that you had to fill out and you got your visa and all that stuff? I was like, yep. I got all that. So they're like, okay, cool. You can go stay. We're going to put you in the paid living space for now. So you have to pay like, I don't know, it was like 700 rupees a night or something, which is like, it's not much at all. So I stayed there and it was, you know, it was nice. It was pretty bare bones. You have, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be. So <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed there for a couple nights in the, just in the paid bedding. I was like, yeah, this is fine. I was like, all right, well, I kind of just wanted to stay here to do volunteering and, and stay in the in the ashram's like hostel yeah so you you go into the hostel and it's just like a a line of sinks 
and the line of bathrooms and then the bedding is just like different very large rooms with like 20 beds so you're going in there you're sleeping with like 20 other guys there's no privacy unless you go to the bathroom and you're sleeping on what are basically like pillow mattresses if you're lucky you got one if you're unlucky you had to sleep on your <laughs> bags or something. I don't know, the floor. The living arrangements were a little bit off. And I remember you telling me about a monkey. <laughs> yeah, a monkey came in one day while I was just I was just getting out of bed or something. There is a, a couple monkeys that had come in through the windows. And I don't know what kind of monkeys there are. They were they're just kind of random monkeys that were in southern India. And they came in there and they were just rummaging through someone's bag. And I was like, I looked at them and one of them looked at me and then he just like hissed at me. And I was like, okay, it's like, all right, don't piss off the monkey because <laughs> he like bared his teeth and everything. And those were like tiny little daggers. And I was like, nope, that's I'm not getting involved. You want to take whatever you want to take, buddy. This is not my problem. <laughs> That is not my problem, little monkey. He took something from the bag. I don't know what it was, but it was something that somebody had. Not you. <laughs> not me. <laughs> uh, so uh, what did your day consist of when you kind of got into the rhythm of everything? Yeah, when you got when you get into it, you kind of uh, go there. You're waking up. Some people were waking up like 4.30 and doing like basically chanting in front of the founder's picture. I don't know. I thought that was really fucking weird. I was like, I am not doing that. <laughs> and, Kevin says sign me out yeah and at this point I'm kind of starting to see what the tea is and I'm like okay I get it so anyway it was you wake up in the morning you do some yoga and then you go eat you're either eating or you're serving people so that they can eat um so you're just you just have buckets of food like literally just metal buckets and you just take a ladle and you just uh pour some food on people's leaves uh, just like a giant banana leaf which is, you know, kind of cool. Yeah, so the people just eat with their hands. There's no food, or so there's no utensils. You you use your hand as kind of like a scoop with your thumb to push the food into your mouth. So you had to make sure to always be washing your hands. <laughs> so yeah, you do that, and then you'd wait a few hours. You kind of, you know, just relax. You Or you'd volunteer somewhere else, like cutting vegetables or something, for another few hours, just so that the food can settle in your body, and you won't hurt yourself if you're doing pretty intense yoga and then you do yoga again after that and then you would eat again or you'd serve people it's kind of same thing and then you would get ready for bed basically you do yoga and kind of get ready for bed nice and you were saying how you really were enjoying like the yoga aspect of it hey yeah yeah i was i signed up first thing i signed up was for the uh inner engineering which i think you have to do if you're going to stay there so i did the five day in inner engineering you're learning different yoga meditation and mantras for about five days with like 50 other people in the same kind of room which was fine you know it was whatever it was it was interesting i learned a lot there in terms of like uh, utilities that i can kind of have access to at any time like if i want to do meditation i know how to do meditation properly if i you know some exercises just to keep your your joints healthy so how to keep your to lower your chance of getting arthritis and stuff like that and, and injuries yeah, so just very basic exercises meant to strengthen, like, the tendons and the smaller muscles and just stretch out, basically, in the morning. Yeah, that we know get more fucked and easier to get fucked when you get older for some reason. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a good way of preventing that kind of stuff, too, right? So we did that, and then I signed up 
after that for the 20 day 21 day hatha yoga program which was uh very intense so this is like you're doing yoga eight hours a day you're waking up at 4 30 every single morning and doing yoga until seven and then you're eating and then you're kind of relaxing for a bit getting you know anything you need to do done doing some volunteering stuff like that um and then you're back into it for like yoga for like four hours and then you eat supper and then after that uh you know a little bit of time passes from supper you eat again you do more yoga and then you go to bed yeah and it was yeah and that was like 21 days no breaks i almost shit myself one time while i was in there (laughs) had really bad diarrhea the entire time that I was there really bad because I was not used to the food I was not used to the food it was all vegetarian it was all like curry so anyway one day during the whole thing it was like I have to go to the bathroom right now (laughs) and this happened like kind of frequently and one of them one of the teachers pulled me aside after and you're like you know you're not supposed to leave during the 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 teachings right because I had kind of just ran out I didn't ask anybody and I was like, it was either that or I shit myself on the floor that moment. Like, and he was like, oh, okay, that's fine. And I was like, you're damn right, that's fine. You're damn right. I'm not shitting my pants in the middle of yoga. That's <laughs> no. Weird. Yeah. And there's like a thousand people in the same room. So if you shit yourself, everybody's going to know. <laughs> that is true, Kevin. So I was actually yeah. going to ask you about when you felt unsettled now obviously this is a moment in which you felt unsettled uh but you said while you were there you kind of felt unsettled and you kind of wanted to transition out of being in just that space in india you go there and you kind of after a while you're like oh this is a cult that's when i was like i started to get unsettled because i start to notice a lot of their tactics to get you to join their cult and to kind of break down your mentality that you are something like external of the cult it's pretty fucking crazy i was like okay i'm not gonna do that because i don't want to have a mental breakdown (laughs) while i'm here because this is not what i'm here for i'm spiritual awakening and cults are very tricky similar so this is this is the tea right this is the tea so this is the bullshit that you have to be careful of. I had met some trusted friends there that uh, I connected with, uh, Santosh and Kishore, Santosh Vid and Kishore Narode. Shout out to uh, you guys. They're uh, special people, and I mean that in the best way possible. Me and them, I uh, was like, all right, I'm going to go, and we're just, and if you guys want to come with me, you can, because they are also kind of noticing this, and they didn't really want to be there. And I was I like, lovers, I guess. yeah, and I was like, do you want to just like travel India? And they're like, how are we going to do that? And I was like, I just bought a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I had bought this secondhand motorcycle off of like the Kijiji of India. When I buy this motorcycle, Buddy starts it up. He's he's driving it around a bit and I'm like, right on, it works. And uh, so I, I pay it for it. And he leaves. I'm like, cool, I got a motorcycle now. I try and start the motorcycle doesn't start i'm like oh no what did i just buy anyway i had to roll it over to like a local repair shop which is just like a guy in a shed (laughs) that had like a sign above it saying repair or mechanic or something and i was like okay and i just let him work on it for like a while yeah he fixed it i don't know what was wrong with it something was like clogged or something like that i don't know i was watching him take it apart and i was like i don't know what this guy's doing but he seems to know what what he's know what he's doing he fixed it 
And I was like, cool. So I like, I got on it and I was like, hmm, I didn't think about this. I don't, I've never driven a motorcycle. I don't know how to drive a motorcycle. The biggest thing I've driven that's a two-wheeler is a bike. I get on it and I try and accelerate and I basically almost die. And then I'm just like, holy shit. Okay, not doing that again. I called my friend. I was like, hey, can you drive this motorcycle back to the ashram? And he was like, yeah, sure. So I, me and him, uh, he came and got the motorcycle and I think I just got a cab home. But uh, yeah, everybody in India knows how to drive a motorcycle. I was probably the only person in India that doesn't know how to drive a motorcycle. <laughs> but uh, yeah, after we bought the motorcycle, we left We left Coimbatore, which was the town that we were in. Southern India, Tamil Nadu area. And uh, we left and our first trip was like up a tiny mountain. So you get like the winding roads up the mountain. I remember our bike was having a lot of issues when trying to climb. So we had to get a new battery at some point. Um, which was fine after we paid, you know, 50 bucks for a new battery. It was, you know, worked. The, the motorcycle was fine from then on. So we kind of just like, we we planned out that we were going to stop small-ish, medium-sized towns and see any temples or holy sites that were on the, along the way or any landmarks and stuff like that. And yeah, we kind of just went. Like, we, we just drove. Saying how you were trying to get up to a temple one day, um, and I remember when we were talking a little bit about this and we were driving out some ideas, you said something about getting stuck. Oh, yes, yes. So as we we drove through um, Kashi, this was like still not in the mountains, but Kashi is like the most holy city in India. It's right next to the Ganges River. It's supposed to be the city of the most respected, I guess, deity in India. He's supposed to like own that city. And I was like, okay, that's cool. But uh, here you get people that are actually, this is where people go when they die. So people... They take the, the bodies here of their dead relatives and then they burn them on sandalwood. And so it's a very sacred place in that sense where you're, you know, you're witness to this and you're like, okay, like this is a place where I kind of need to be very respectful and reflect on life a bit. Yeah, I don't know. It seems like, I don't know, it seems like people these days don't really have a lot of respect for, for death and stuff, unfortunately, which is kind of funny. But uh, yeah, I saw some guy there just like with one of his dead relatives and he was like taking a selfie and I'm like, bro, this is not the place for that. <laughs> that is like, like, like put your is... phone away. Yeah, like holy. Anyway, I mean, you're driving through India and it's like crazy. There's traffic everywhere. There's, the roads are packed. There's people going the wrong direction and it just seems to, like it doesn't matter. There's no rules. People don't care if it's a red light. People just go anyway because it's, I don't know, it's it's fucked. Yeah, it's like there's cows everywhere. There's dogs everywhere. There's I didn't see a lot of cats, actually. I did. I saw like one or two cats. There's deer everywhere. There's elephants. I saw an elephant, like a wild elephant to see. It's one thing to see an elephant in like an enclosure or like on TV. We passed it on the motorcycle and I was just looking at it and I was like, holy shit. So from there, we kind of went up the mountain. So we, we went to the Himalayas and we started just like driving up the mountains. There was supposed to be a hike up there that we were going to go on. Well, there's a few hikes up there, but there is a main hike that we wanted to go on was the Kedarnath hike, which is like two, a couple kilometer hike along kind of pretty treacherous path to a temple that's kind of situated in the Himalayas. So first we went to Badranath, which is like a different, a close city to that. And we stayed there for a while. And it's the only time that I've, that I saw snow in India was up in the Himalayas. 
And then from there, we went to see, because it was close to one of the bigger mountains, not Everest, but it was close to Trishula Mountain. It was cloudy the day that we went to see that mountain. And I remember the clouds parted for a second, and all I could see was the mountain. Like, it was just going up past the sky. And I was like, holy shit. I was I was amazed. Like, it, you think it's big seeing the other mountains in India, and they're all like three kilo, kilometers tall and stuff like that. But to see this thing, which is like six or seven, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't comprehend how big it was. Puts into perspective how small we are. Yeah, it really does. Like, you're, you think it's big going up these like three kilometer, two kilometer mountains, and you're on top of them. And then you see this thing. The whole thing covers the sky, and you're just like, what the fuck? Where did this come from? <laughs> so you but, guys had uh, a bit of a crazy, uh, crazy journey between like going on a motorcycle, like not having any experience with that, finding some guys that just like kind of want to say fuck it and kind of travel with you and just yeah. like bopping around and getting to see all these like super sacred, super holy, super beautiful places. And so what do you think your most impactful learning experience has been? You know, we were talking about this yesterday, or well, the, not yesterday, but the other day. I gotta say, I there is a lot of lessons that I took from that, and to boil it down is really hard. I mean, you know, I think don't be afraid to try new things, and don't be afraid to explore um, what you want to explore, just for the sake of like other people telling you you shouldn't, or it's like you could, you know, you could hurt yourself, all this stuff, and it's just like. Yeah, I know the risks. It's like, I knew the risks going in, but this was something that I had to do for myself. And it was not only important for me, but what I felt was important for the people around me. I mean, this was, I was going on to on this journey to find well-being within myself, to find, you know, bliss within myself, to be the best person that I can be for, for everybody else, including myself, you know, so this is what I went there for. And I felt while I was there, I kind of felt like the universe was on my side. And yes, I definitely had some help from my mom who sent me money because I fucked up my visa. But <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother story. It's funny, though, because it's, I know people are so afraid. It's There's so much negativity that goes on in the news and about all these different places. And a lot of it, you know, anywhere can be scary and anywhere can be dangerous mm -hmm. and anywhere can make people fearful. You And whether you're here or abroad, it doesn't matter. Like that natural fear and that natural guard that we have up in a day-to-day -day life that's that's everyone's lives that's everyone's provocative you know that's everyone everyone feels that way so don't limit yourself in life because you're afraid of the possibility of things going wrong because a lot of the times yeah sure things can go wrong but there's a lot of times that things go really beautiful and really great and it's such an impactful important moment on your life and it will and like this experience has been for you it's been super eye-opening super awakening and we were saying about so many people are trying so hard to put a lot of good into the universe now and you know talking about manifesting and positivity and stuff and kind of just like trying to reconnect with ourselves aim to be better and do better I think the universe like we were saying it does reward people for that whether it's big yeah. or small like you will see the impact of having a positive mindset and how that kind of how it changes every day like it, the 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 impact of positivity is so important and i think because there's so much negative going on right now that we can't lose focus of that and we need to keep putting the positive in the world because at the end of the day like we said everyone just wants to be happy to be loved to love 
and to kind of just put our best foot forward as like humanity and as a group of people. And yeah, like, that's why I will never stop trying to be like a positive person, a positive light. Like you always, it will change the world. Positivity changes the world. I believe it. It will. And just like, you know, I think I struggled a lot when I was younger with like being honest with myself as well as others. And I don't think it was just like a malicious thing. It was just like, that's how I learned to be from my experiences. You know, I never really talked about how I was feeling. It just wasn't who I was. It just, it's just not, that was just not a part of myself. And as a human being, you don't have that ability. Like you really don't, you know, learning to kind of be honest with myself and other people has been a huge part of me going to India and doing all that stuff. And it came always from a place of honesty. Like it never came from, I was trying to get something from somebody or like, no, it was like, I'm doing this to, cause I, for myself, want to you know find myself or or you know at least help others and or at least find a way to help others you know i don't know i see a lot of drug use these days in terms of you know alcohol recreational drugs all of these things you know and all of these things that people are doing to try and quote unquote be happy you know whether that's career success whether that's like putting people down just like shitting on people for no reason to make themselves feel better or just like trying to build up their ego. Yeah, look at this. This is all the stuff that I have. It's really not about that. If you're happy with the way that your life is, it comes from a place of integrity. If somebody asks you, how are you doing today? I'm like, I'm doing pretty good, man. (laughs) Like, if you're feeling shitty, like, tell somebody like, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Shit, be feeling like shit is shit. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. So, uh, yeah, we were just saying about putting good out there and kind of receiving that good back. Talk about how much like poverty and there was um, over there, which is so sad to see. And we know that everyone is getting affected by right down to the basics, wanting to help others and kind of like wondering where to start. You know, while we were traveling through there, you see a lot of poverty, a lot of poverty in India, which is really, really sad to see people that were just sitting on the side of the road in the desert and they presumably only have the clothes that's on their back so i don't even know if they have a place to live and you're just like holy shit like like what can we even do about this and the ashram that i was in you know besides the culty stuff they were doing a lot with trying to restore the rivers because there's been a lot of drought in india these days so planting trees around the riverbeds to actually hold the water in the riverbed is actually really important So that the water doesn't just like seep out of the river because there's been a lot of deforestation and destruction of the climate in general and the ecosystems. So they're losing their rivers. Like the rivers are literally drying up. They go from these like huge channels to basically just a stream or nothing. You know, you see these places with rivers that are flowing and they're flowing well and it's lush and everything is doing well. The people there are noticeably much healthier and and happier more vibrant whereas like in a lot of places it's almost destitute and the amount of just like random weird construction and i don't know it's just a mess there um in a lot of places and it's really sad to see like you have to care about the environment like we have to like there is there's no fixing mother nature if we continue doing what we're doing burning all these fossil fuels you know polluting the environment, burning trash, burning, causing wars and stuff like that. It's 
crazy. Like and genuinely it's it's crazy and wasteful, uh, not only of human life, but of like all life. It's com- it's so wasteful. We are doing better. Like I think there's a lot of movement in the youth of today that be like, yes, yeah, so let's fix this thing and they're passionate and everybody's passionate about doing it. Just like what do we actually do? Well, I know at least here you can get involved with uh, Fridays for Future St. John's. You can get involved with the Youth Climate Courts is one that I'm in, actually. They're a fairly new group, but they take like the governments to a mock court and basically be like and charge them with not actual charges, but as they would if the if we consider the climate as a human being, you know, we, we shouldn't disrespect the climate like we wouldn't disrespect any other human being, you know. And in India, they have the rivers there are actually personified, like they have the rights that a human being does, or some of them. Um, I think that's been a relatively new push. And I think that's something that you should be able to do anywhere, really, with any ecosystem significance. Uh, I think it's really important that, you know, we make the case for these things and trying to phase out fossil fuels as much as possible. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be like for our own lives, because we need fossil fuels, unfortunately. We can still do things that be like, oh, maybe use the car a little bit less or maybe invest in a a hybrid or an all electric. And I mean, these are all things that, you know, big oil pushes on us these days. And it's all like, yes, we can do these things, but it doesn't change the fact that Hibernia or something had like an oil spill. These things don't change the facts that we're destroying the climate. And it's not our fault. It's really not. It's it's the fault of the people making decisions. A hundred percent. So yeah, I mean, trying to get involved, you know, with everything that you can, I would say, look at uh, look up what's around you or try and find out what's around you to keep the people in charge and check somehow. People need to feel like their vote and what they say matter and that the people in charge actually are listening to them, trying to make decisions based on what is good for the good of people. What makes people happy? What, is, what can yeah. we actually do to better the lives of the people living within our cities, within within yes, these communities. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. It's so foolishness. Like the I was involved with NL Youth Parliament for one year. It was the last year that I could do it because I was 24. Just from seeing how our political structure works and trying to understand and wrap my head around how the House of Assembly works, it seems like such foolishness. Like it it really does. Like you're pitting, let's say the the party in power puts forth an idea. It's the opposition's job to completely oppose that idea for finding solutions that make sense. So you you put out this idea, what if it doesn't work? What if it's too expensive? All this stuff. Yes, that is fine. But on a federal level, just attacking people for their ideas on like how they can create solutions for people, with you're just attacking people for it. You're not actually offering anything else. It's such it's such a stupid game. It feels like that's what politics is these days. It's just a game of big name celebrities just fucking with each other. And it's such a fucking racket, honestly. I know. And we get lost in the yeah. sauce of what actually needs to be fixed, which is like housing or like yeah. clean water or like try yeah. not to fuck the planet. Like we've been saying for yeah. years and years and years so that our generation doesn't have to suffer suffer now it's us who wanted all these pushes who are pushing to do better and be better and Mm. unfortunately we're so many years behind but we're all we're so many years ahead just because of the people who've been consistently fighting and consistently Mm. making their voice heard which is so important it just goes to show the willpower of humanity of being like we're holding people accountable 
And it's Mm -hmm. nice because those people give us the motivation and they also give us a little bit of the hope. Like we were saying, going from hopeless to hopeful, those are the people doing it, the people on the ground, the people who are pushing to make these people in charge be held fucking accountable. Yeah. And it's, you know, I didn't mean to get all political about this. I guess my time in the NL youth courts or NL youth parliament, sorry, was a great time because I got to see what politics could be if people actually just worked together like they were they agreed on the same issues like, yes, we have to fix climate change. What are we going to do about that? We're going to install at every gas station, there's going to be an EV charging station so that we inve- we're investing. The province would be investing in EVs. And these are all motions that were brought to the Newfoundland government from the from the NL Youth Parliament because they are like an official group. So they're brought to the people in power. And I haven't heard a single fucking thing that we brought up that they that they also talked about not a single fucking thing oh so they're not talking about what people actually want bullshit they're they're talking about i mean they are talking about like housing yeah we need housing but like who could have saw this coming like are you serious like you're taking in all this immigration like i have no problem with immigrants but when you're taking in a mass amount of people what do you think is going to happen there's going to be no houses and between everyone having it on like Airbnbs and people like renting yes, out really expensive oh properties, God. if we're talking about people saying uh, about people going to shelters and stuff, there's not a lot of safety mm-hmm. there because they're underfunded too. Like if you're going, just, it's good to yeah. do good things, but you need to plan accordingly and you knew it was happening. So instead of being proactive and doing a good thing and making sure it's even better, like actually putting into trying to put into work to actually push to have it make sense. Now everyone's mm. scrambling and it's coming into winter and there's people with no fucking places to live. And it's like, yeah. you've done this to people. And I don't want to hear people saying, oh, I'm not, people don't want to work and people don't, no, people no. are working. People still can't fucking afford to do shit. People have to work. People, there's no, we don't have a choice anymore. We have to work. Like if you're working at gas stations and shit like that, they're paying you pennies. No, they can't. They can't afford anything like they can barely afford their rent payment. Government, let's tax sugary drinks, but let's not make healthier options cheaper. Like, fuck, yeah. make that make sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It doesn't. A lot of things don't make sense here. But yeah, anyway, we need to find contentment, whether that needs to be within ourselves and it needs to be with people around us and being OK with win win solutions. And I think that's the biggest issue is that a lot of people need to move past this pettiness of not wanting someone else to succeed. And that's, you know, within our day to day lives, but that also has to do within the political system as well. Everyone is too busy trying to get what they want instead of trying to find that win win solution. There is a lot of pettiness and a lot of bullshit. And if we just Mm -hmm. tear it down to the seams, rebuild it and figure out what actually works, I think we would notice that there is there is that win-win solution. It it is possible. You know, I've talked to people who've had nothing to gain from me being like, okay, can you tell me how I would reach this state or like how I would find this blissful state within myself or find myself, we'll say, or reach that enlightenment. And I have people who've had nothing to gain from me say, you know, it's the inward path to be pretty angry about a lot of this. It's like you need to tone down your anger because it will not serve you, will not help anybody. And I was like, anger hinders. You know, you're right. I was very frustrated at at a certain time in my life, and I didn't know any better. That's it. 
and I didn't have any tools that I could have access to, whether that be mental health tools, whether that be physical tools with yoga, whether that be meditation, you know, all of these things, none of that I had access to. You know, I think that's partly why I went there as well. You know, that's not being dismissive of anger, but because I, there are still things I'm angry about, like climate situation, you know, you can't let it get to you. You have to kind of realize that there is a solution. You have to try and at least be a part of that solution as well. I mean, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to have the right answer. But if you're doing the right things, like the things that are good for you and good for others, then, you know, eventually the solution will come up. I agree. Focus on the path of getting there instead of focusing on the things that could go wrong or don't anticipate the worst. And I think that's yes. yeah. kind of the mindset that a lot of people have been pushed into and like a belief that a lot of mm -hmm. people have been. They just assume the worst. They assume that things won't get done. They will. They think it's like a passive negative mindset that they kind of put into people and we have to be stronger mm -hmm. and like better enough to realize that we don't have that's not the way we have to live life. We don't have to anticipate the worst there is the possibility of the success and where that is and focusing on that and just pushing to get there. And eventually you will get there. Eventually things will make sense. Is there anything, Kevin, that you would want to say now that you haven't had a chance to say? I'm so excited that you came on. This has been super fun. And it's been, you know what? This is the whole point of Stone Chats with friends. You, you start on one topic and somehow you end up on another. You know, yeah. you just got to go with the good Lord takes you, as they say. The journey. The, the journey. journey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I never know where we're going to end up sometimes. It's funny like nope. that. But yeah, I guess, you know, we were talking about this again the other the other day. And I said, you know, while I was there in India, I had a profound sense after I came back. And while I was there doing the things that I was doing, I was like, we got this. Like, there, there's nothing, there's no obstacles here in the sense of focusing on the inward path, doing the things that are right for yourself and for others, not really focusing on, you know, negative outcomes, even what happens so much in terms of like, if something negative happens, you know, shit, you learn something. I think if we kind of keep moving forward in the external world with a sense of inner well-being, then we, we can accomplish anything, like seriously. But that requires teamwork and it requires, you know, a group effort. I guess to leave it off with a closing statement is just be true to yourself and you, you got this or we got this. We sure do got this, Kevin. And yeah. thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Shout out to all Kevin's friends who are listening, who told him to come on this podcast and reach out. I'm so excited. And it makes me so happy to know that people are listening and resonating with it. And, you know, it does make them hopeful or a little bit happy because that's literally the goal is to just try to keep on trucking and kind of just be that voice of like positivity and reason for everyone. You know, we got this and we got this together and everything starts with your mindset. Kevin, thank you for coming on. Thanks for your time, your energy, your effort. I appreciate all of it. This is April and Kevin signing out and we'll catch you on the flip. See you guys. <laughs>